Hey everyone, welcome to this installment of the P2 Podcast. This is a very special installment because we are actually not here. This is completely AI generated. Uh, um, so we appreciate your attendance. Please let us know how you enjoy it. A good Q&A for you guys. Um, you guys dropped us some questions again, like we've done this in the past. We're going to address them with as much brevity as possible and trying to get you your answers, but we're going to have some fun with it. So wherever you're tuning in, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, or YouTube, we appreciate you. Let us know what you think. And here we go. All right. So we can probably just start this out with the easiest one. All right. So what is our most overrated loop exercise and why? It's always funny how like different brains work, um, which I actually consider our brains to be pretty similar, but easiest one so i would have been like oh this is the most impactful one but maybe you don't think it's impactful maybe you, you talked about glutes too much to to care about this question as much as i do but i think it is it's um it's it's a really good question i think because i think people are still lost in the sauce and people just want to be told what to do and what not to do uh i would say easily the most overrated glute exercise is a 1a b situation and i will go hip thrust and then glute kickbacks which I'm sure to a lot of the listeners, they're like, what the fuck? That doesn't, that doesn't make any lot, any sense, right? And I think they're overrated for different reasons. One A, hip thrust is, their hip thrust are, rather, are more overrated in the traditional sense. And the fact that they are the end-all, be-all, if you want to go grow your glutes, I'm going to go do hip thrust, right? There is a ton of value in hip thrust and different hip thrust variations and setups, et cetera. But there are other movements that should be implemented, right? Like you are training at a, a very focused um or in a very focused way the, sh the shortened pattern right there's the, 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 the you're focusing heavily on the contraction whereas you want to make sure you train muscles throughout their full length so you're not getting that full range of motion like you could in like a traditional hinge pattern rdls stiff leg deadlifts etc and so it's not so much that hip thrust should not be implemented but they should be complemented by muscles that will train the glutes in the lengthened position, such as, you know, your hinge patterns and leaning into those might even do you uh, more of a solid than, you know, just traditional hip thrusts, especially as hip thrusts get heavier and heavier and heavier and your form goes to shit. I'm kickbacks just because I see them misperformed all the fucking time. Like, you know, they're just like people throwing their legs up and off and to the side. Um, you often hear people say, oh, I feel it in my low back, et cetera. They go back to my quads um, because positioning's off or, you know, just the actual technique is not up to par. So I actually did put hip thrust as well for similar reasons as you just explained. Um, I think that hip thrusts, and I've written and talked about this extensively, I think that hip thrusts are an invaluable glute movement. Any complete program um, that is, is designed to specifically target the glutes should have at least one, if not multiple hip thrust variations in it because of how versatile the movement is and the kind of novel way that it's able to tar target the glutes through like the shortened fiber lengths. Um, but at the same time, going back to what you said, people think of glutes and they think of hip thrusts. And I, I do, I do start to, to, think that that is problematic. And the reason that I think that that's problematic is because as soon as you start to associate an exercise with a muscle group, you start to think that that exercise is defining the muscle group. Right. And it's very similar to something like bench press or pecs. Mm -hmm. right? um, as soon as you start thinking about 
this movement is is like linear with with the muscle um it starts to get like imprinted in your brain that to get big glutes you have to hip thrust and i do think that that is that's troublesome because the reality is like you really don't need hip thrust to get muscular glutes like you could never do a hip thrust in your life and still have phenomenal glutes a lot of people have been able to do so hip thrust wasn't very popular movement for a really long time guarantee you ronnie coleman never did any hip thrust his fucking glutes were gigantic right so it's not needed could he have had bigger glutes with hip thrust maybe i don't really know how much bigger that dude's fucking glutes could, could have gotten so like like there's there's a lot that goes into this but um but yeah i would say hip thrust is definitely one of 1a or 1b however you want to look at this and Another one, I actually did put sumo deadlifts. And for a lot of the same reason, actually, there are a lot of arguments that I see that people say sumo deadlifts are like overall an overrated exercise or they're they're bad for glute development or this or that. And I think that that's a poor argument because um, I do think that sumo deadlifts in general can be a useful exercise. But whenever it comes to glute development, if you're looking at the mechanics of a sumo deadlift, just from the perspective of it is intentionally reducing the range of motion of the hinge pattern, that's not that optimal of a movement, right? That, that's just not. Mm -hmm. So you're working within a range of motion that is limited and you're also, you're, you're contorting your hips in a way that is not as beneficial for creating force. So even though you can move more load with a sumo deadlift than you can a conventional deadlift that really abducted and externally rotated hip position is not actually that advantageous for producing force through your glutes um so that is one of the reasons why i would say that sumo deadlifts when it comes to glute development specifically are a smidge overrated but again does not mean that they're useless it's just that compared to other movements you know, they're probably not as beneficial or as beneficial as their pedigree in some circles would lend you to believe. Um, but I also put, just because I, I wanted to expand on this, I think plyometrics are super overrated when it comes to, to glute development. Um, and this just comes from me seeing a lot of people doing, you know, lunge jacks or box jumps or, you know, all kinds of just dynamic work. And the reality is like, that's not doing any more for your glutes, right? Just because right. you're doing it explosively or you're jumping or there's a, a dynamism associated with it, it's not actually making it more effective for inducing that like hypertrophy stimulus. If you're trying to burn calories, sure. If you're trying to increase your power development, sure. Sometimes that is correlated with having bigger glutes, but it's not like the cause and the correlation there either. So that's something I did want to mention. Um, and then just as an addendum, any other dumb shit that people do, and that is an overrated glute exercise for me too. But there is a lot in that category. Um, but yeah, we can stop there because otherwise we're going to continue going. Did you have any for underrated? I know that that wasn't part of the question, but. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, to me, I think that like a really good hinge pattern is typically underrated. I don't think that people think of RDL or even stiff leg deadlifts, for instance, like right. as like, a, oh, this is going to be great for my glutes, right? Like they, you all, even people who are jacked have been training for a long time. They think of stiff leg deadlifts and they go, oh, so your hamstrings, your hamstrings, your hamstrings. And while with the increased range of motion, the setup and execution, hamstrings tend to be more of the focus. Like the glute stimulus you're going to get from these movement patterns is is enormous, right? Like if performed correctly. So um, to leave them off the list is 
to me kind of disrespectful, but uh, I definitely think that like hinge patterns specifically, and then obviously stiff leg deadlifts. I had a question for you though. Um, set you up. So rank them. <clears throat> you got stiff leg deadlifts, hip thrust, sumo deadlifts, RDLs. Oh, all right. Um, I think that's relatively easy. So I would say volume and intensity and load equated at least the best that you can. Uh, I would say RDLs, hip thrust, stiff leg, sumo. Word. No, um, I think that's good. That's that's probably what I would say. And the reason I put hip thrusts above stiff leg deadlift is just because you're going to be able to more easily train with higher intensities closer to failure and also higher volumes too like you're not going to have because with stiff leg deadlifts you're going to be limited by the amount of damage that your hamstrings are taking on from the movement so because it is a hamstring dominant exercise it's not it's not loop dominant exercise and you could also kind of say the same thing for an RDL, but I'm not going to go into that. But at least it's not taking the hamstrings through their full length and state. Um, but I would say RDLs, hip thrusts, stiff leg deadlifts, and then sumo deadlifts. That's That would be my order there. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, and I know that it's was going to be an easy question for you. I, I set it up because I don't think that that's how most people would rank them. I mean, even if you just said, hey, like I want you to you know, say, hey, look, you got hip thrust, you got RDLs and sumo deadlifts. And I think people would still kick sumos up higher than what is appropriate um, because of the stimulus that they feel. Right now, I, I just feel like I'm trapping my glutes so hard. And so I, I think that while the question is an easy one for you, it's one that I think most people, especially people who are training, a lot of our clients would get incorrect, incorrectly. Yeah. And also, interestingly, Interestingly here, I would, I would caveat all of this with saying that anything less than technical perfection on these movements would probably lend me towards putting hip thrust first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because the risk of injury is so much lower and the margin of error is so much higher with hip thrust, like you're, you're really not going to get hurt doing a hip thrust, right? Even if your technique is off, but if you're starting to push high loads, high intensities, and even like moderate volumes with an RDL your chance of getting hurt goes up exponentially. And it's also axial loading. So like, there's a lot going on there. There are a lot of dependencies, even like your grip, right? So mm -hmm. granted, like we're trying to push, or I'm trying to push this beyond what like the the context even was initially, but um, that's just kind of goes to how changing subtle parameters within that that question can lead to a really vastly different answer. 100%, let's want to set you up. We can move on to the next question. Yeah, it's next one. All right. so. How do we decide how to program supersets? Is it sadism or is there actual science behind that? Um, sometimes I just fucking hate you guys. So if, if my clients are asking, there's a hundred percent a good chance that, um, you know, I just don't like you and I'm trying to hurt you. Um, but for the, the PC answer, it's, there is a science behind it, right? And it's all about what your desired goal is for the design. So I love to use supersets for like pre-exhaust effect, right? If I have like a heavy compound I'm gonna go work on or, you know, superset with, I might say, hey, like I really wanna target the quads here. Um, I'm gonna have you go from leg extensions into a quad dominant squat pattern, use a, you know, leg press or a pendulum or whatever, um, and just like really fuck you up. I can do a couple of different things with that because I can now create a more efficient design. I can save time, you know, I don't have to spend you know, four or five feeder sets to get you to a point of getting really solid stimulus on the compound. 
Um, so that's one big reason why I like to use them. And then also for like the probably pretty, pretty apparent reason is like if I need more volume, I can pair even unrelated movements and supersets just to try to speed you up, but also still uh, appropriate volume appropriately. Yeah, no, I actually had um, a small list here of things that I jotted down before we jumped on here, but you touched on a few of them. So the first one I put was obviously like time and logistical constraints. So if you have a short time frame to be able to actually get your session in, you probably need to utilize some kind of supersets or trisets or circuits or whatever to be able to condense and increase the density of your training. So that is one of the the main reasons, if not the primary reason why, why you'd want to utilize supersets. Um, another one would be logistical constraints, kind of going back to what you said, where if you have a high volume threshold that you need to hit, if you're doing an upper body day, it makes a little bit more sense to pair a horizontal push with a horizontal pull, right? So like those antagonistic supersets, or even um, this is something I've done before in the past where like a lot of our smaller female clients have really, really high thresholds for their delts, right? Like they're able to do a fuck ton of delt volume. So even on their lower body days, what I've done in the past is I'll have someone do like a set of leg press and then superset that with like a lateral raise variation. Right. Seems like it doesn't make much sense until you start thinking about it in terms of, oh shit, they just need a lot of volume in. And that's the easiest, quickest, best way to actually do that. And just, you know, utilizing those supersets. Um, you also mentioned like synergy between movements. So I really like shortened to lengthen supersets. Mm -hmm. So taking something like you said, a leg press or excuse me, a leg extension and into a leg press or into a pendulum or a hack squat, something that's going to be taking the quads through a more full range of motion, like really stretching the quads out, you massively increase the efficiency of the work that you're doing whenever you do something like a shortened to lengthen superset, but you also increase the damage being done too, because it's like incredibly destructive to the actual muscle fibers. So you have to be really careful. But that also allows you to like be more efficient with the work that you're doing. So that's very important. Um, but along with that too, like the pre-exhausting. So that is a way of pre-exhausting, but it doesn't have to be shortened to lengthen. It can be something like a push-up into a bench press, right? Like if you go from a quote unquote more safe movement into a quote unquote more dangerous or risky movement, it allows you to go in and not have to use the same amount of load for the risky movement. And then you can be kind of like start from a closer baseline of intensity or, or closer baseline to a, a technical failure point. Um, another wait, one wait, before, because I want to sound smart and I think you have this on your list and I want to say it first. Probably inverting. He said probably inverting, obviously the pre-exhaust effect, right? Having a heavy compound movement and then understanding that you've approached failure and then finding some sort of regressed, you know, variation to allow you to push a little bit further. So bench press to push up or something like that. Yeah, so I actually, the way that I phrased that was using it as an intensity technique. So using super as an intensity technique. So a way of extending the initial exercise past that initial failure point and getting more volume in. So exactly what you said, right? Like you take something that is more risky, like a bench press, maybe you don't even take it to failure. Maybe you just get to the point where like it is starting to get really, you know, slow velocity, really heavy, you're getting towards that like two, one rep and reserve point. And then you go into push-ups, just take push-ups to failure. Like right. you can fully exhaust the muscle by utilizing that superset. And again, it's like, is this the best way to actually allocate volume or intensity? Who fucking knows, but it is a way. So again, it's just, um, different intents I think is important too. Like we're not always trying to progressively overload. Sometimes we're just trying to maximize the metabolic stress of a movement that we're getting in. 
So for example, if we want to do like a lateral raise into a dumbbell upright row, mm. right? So you take lateral raises to failure and then you go right into upright rows and take those to failure. I mean, that's also a mechanical drop set, however you want to think about that, but it is in a way a superset, right? So, I mean, you could just say barbell upright rows if you wanted to, just to make it not as mechanical, but, um, but yeah, so like there are ways of utilizing that to maximize metabolic stress, to get more of a pump, more blood flow than you would otherwise able to be, or otherwise get with one exercise. Um, and then last one is I just put like conditioning and, uh, GPP work. So like general physical preparedness. Um, so essentially like if you're trying again, increase the density of your work, but trying to burn a lot of calories, trying to increase your heart rate, trying to increase your respiratory rate, trying to get in better shape, right? Like that, that is a, a way or a reason to utilize supersets. Sweet. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Um, all right. Last one, last one. What is beef with the Stairmaster? I've listened to a few of the pods and you've mentioned disdain for it a couple of times, but no context given. Uh, do you want to start with this? And you know what? Just given the time that we're at, I'm just going to kind of poke you, but I'm going to let you start here um, and let you go on your, your tangent because they're talking to you. Fair. Um, is there anything specifically that you want to have me start on with a tangent rant on Stairmasters? Well, I think there's the common misconception of what a Stairmaster provides, right? If you're going to the Stairmaster to, like we all know, burn calories, like, okay, cool, that's one thing. Um, if you think that somehow you're getting some sort of like super glute stimulus because you're having to step upstairs, like that's moronic. Um, but like, obviously you can expand on those and like what your approach is, your goals, and what you think you're actually getting from the Stairmaster. I believe that's where the majority of your, your, the grinding of your gears comes from. Yeah. So I think the first part of this that always bothers me is people associate the Stairmaster with harder work, right? Stairmaster climbing stairs is harder than other modalities of cardio. And that is 100% true, right? But if you're meant to be doing low intensity, steady state cardio, the idea there is that you keep your heart rate in a certain range, right? And granted, this is not perfect science and it's not perfect measures, but the idea is you want to keep your heart rate, your respiration rate, and also the way that your, your fat and carbohydrates, your glycogen are being oxidized. You want to keep that at a certain ratio as well, right? If you get your heart rate and your respiration rate up too high, you start burning off all of your glycogen, right? So if you're doing HIT, it's a lot of glycogen. If you're doing very low intensity steady state, it's a lot of fat oxidation, right? Again, not perfect, but go with that idea. Um, so yes, with a Stairmaster, you're going to be working harder. It is harder. That's great. Awesome. But if you're meant to be doing low intensity steady state, do low intensity steady state. And why would you not do the lower impact like lower impact modality of cardio, right? I would say if you can do swimming, fucking do swimming. Swimming is the lowest impact cardio. That is not going to destroy your joints, right? Treadmill is going to start to beat you up a little bit. Incline treadmill will definitely start beating you up. Stairmaster is going to fucking destroy you, especially if you're doing 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes a day, whereas a lot of our clients have been before if they're trying to get ready for a show. It's stupid. If you're doing moderate intensity for, let's say, 20, 25, 30 minutes, sure, that's okay, right? Because it's going to be easier to get your heart rate up if you're doing a Stairmaster versus if you're doing an incline treadmill. I grant that. If you're doing hit and 
key. Stairmaster is great for hit intervals because it's fucking hard. Very hard, right? But doing tons and tons of reps and volume on a Stairmaster, like with low intensity steady state, and even in a lot of cases, moderate intensity steady state, is a really bad idea. Because what you're doing is essentially a pseudo step up. You're, you're doing a, a, sh a short step up every single time you are doing the Stairmaster. A lot of people think that that means your glutes are working harder. And it does mean your glutes are working harder. But you know what that also means is that they're going to fucking overtrain. They're, they're going to deplete themselves of glycogen, of nutrients. You're going to start getting negative feedback loops because you are doing too much volume for your lower body, for your glutes, for your quads. Your knees are going to start getting beat up. Your erectors are going to start tightening up. Your low back's going to start giving you problems. You're going to start developing a shitty posture and shitty gait because you're leaning over the entire fucking time. You're not supposed to do 90 minutes of stairs every fucking day. It's not smart. It's just not smart. It's stupid. So my disdain here comes from this, this confusion, this conflation that a lot of people have in their minds of because your glutes are working harder, then that somehow means that the fat is going to be preferentially burned in your glutes or your, your hamstrings or your glute ham tie-ins, or God forbid, it, people think that it is going to make their glutes more muscular doing tons and tons and tons of Stairmaster. Like, That's the one. I, I, so this is my thing. And, and it is, it's, it's so much of like this, this <laughs> cognitive dissonance where people know, people know that it's bullshit, right? And if you ask people those questions, if you're like, okay, so you're telling me that you think doing 90 minutes of step-ups continuously every day is going to grow your glutes, or do you think there's a better way of doing that? They'd be like, oh no, there's a better way of doing that. You're like, yes, let's continue with that. Let's keep going, right? We can do more. But as soon as you put a Stairmaster in front of them, their fucking eyes bulge out of their head. And they're like, oh my God, I've been waiting all year to get on a Stairmaster. I, I think that there is a, a gigantic aspect of people thinking that Stairmaster is associated with harder work, right? Because a lot, that is a lot of what you see. You see people fucking drenched in sweat on a Stairmaster. And like people talk about the Stairmaster as like this golden standard of, of cardio modalities. Well, also, I do want to say this. Stairmaster is not harder than swimming, by the way. If you... Swimming is the hardest modality of cardio. And it also looks the easiest. It looks the easiest. But swimming will fucking destroy you. I I just beg people to go and try and swim for 30 minutes straight and just see how far you're able to do um, or how far you're able to get. But anyway, my, my issues with all of this stuff comes down to people just hanging on to and reinforcing their their cognitive biases right mm -hmm. and it's not it's not that the stairmaster is bad the stairmaster is not bad it's a fucking modality right it, it's just like there's no exercises that are bad it's just how you use them what is bad and what what becomes problematic is whenever people associate the wrong things with specific modalities or specific exercises and they latch on to these preconceived notions that are wrong yeah. Or it's just like completely fallacious, right? Like you're like, it's all fucked. So that's where I start having issues is that people just, they, they can't see beyond that, 
idea of like hard work or the idea that like a stairmaster is more glutes. But it just it's it's all just so stupid, right? And again, I just want people to be able to think for more than two seconds and ask themselves those questions as like, okay, does this actually make sense? Like if I think about it, if I break it up and if I start asking like what I'm after here, does it make sense for me to use this modality? Or is it just like, again, this this social signaling of me working harder than you? Yeah, no, I think that was really good. Um, there's definitely some some takeaways there for people as they uh, listen to this. I feel like in Bryce's nightmares, he probably sees like girls in Gymshark, like doing like step ups on the Stairmaster. With bands around their ankles, yeah. like doing, doing like Stairmaster sideways or kickbacks. Yeah. It's like, don't even get me started on that stuff. But like, again, it's, it's just, I think it all is signaling, right? I think it's all signaling and it's all like people trying to show like how much harder they work or how much, how much more serious they, they are than other people. Um, when in reality, it's like, all right, guys, like there are better ways of doing it. Like, why would you, why would you try to be more inefficient if you don't have to be? Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. It's good. Well, thank you, um, everyone, for who's for everyone who submitted these questions. We really appreciate it. Three really good ones today. We hopefully, you know, touched on the pieces that uh, answered your questions fully. If you have anything you'd like us to expound on, obviously hit us up in the comments. Hit us up on Instagram and stuff like that. We'll continue these. They're definitely really really good questions. We appreciate you. We hope you appreciate this installment. Um, we'll continue to do these. So continue dropping questions. Thank you, everyone, from wherever you're listening, and we'll see you next time.